and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it great? Hallelujah. To be here. Hallelujah. I know many people are not here, but that's fine. I believe God's word is going to reach them anyway. God knows no distance. Praise God. It's a privilege to stand before you again to share on this resurrection, this sunrise service. Amen. I'm delighted. And uh, I'm telling you right now, I mean, four pages of messages. I'm not going to get that done within 15, 20 minutes because I can smell something next door there. We're going to get that going. And then Pastor going to take his own time to do his own thing. So I'm going to try my best here. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 12. Real quick, I'll read that and then we'll go on from there. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3 through 11. <clears throat> Amen. Hallelujah. Hebrews 12. And here's what the Word of God says today. Hebrews chapter 12. I'll look at verse 3 and through, through verse 11. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest he be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, for, or nor faint when you are rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourged every son whom he received. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof are ye partakers? Whereof all are partakers? Then are ye bastards, and not sons. Furthermore, in verse 9, we have hard fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and have given us, or when we gave them reference, shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and life? Verse 10, for the very, for, for they verily for a few days chastened us after our pleasure, after their own pleasure, but we, or he, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. In verse 11, the scripture says, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised by it. Amen. Amen. As always, I just always want to read uh, the Hebrew translation of some of the scriptures that I try to share because I believe, I mean, um, the message translation, because they kind of bring out some little bit of light. In the, in the message, we read about do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race wherein we are. Study how he did it, as consider Jesus, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. The cross, the shame, and whatever. When you find yourself fledging or falling or weakening or dwindling or wearying in your faith, go over the story again, or the story of resurrection. Go over the story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. That with short 
that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. In all this, others have suffered far worse than you. To say nothing of Jesus who went through all that blood shed, that blood bath. So don't feel sorry for yourselves or have, uh, or have you forgotten how good parents treat children and the rest of them and so on and so forth like we read earlier. We are here today. I know a lot of people, scientists, archaeologists are still digging and finding out if the cross, or the cross is empty or if the tomb is empty. Or they, you know the story I'm talking about. They go into all kinds of findings to find out and to dispute about this person or this Jesus we are talking about. We talk about the, the, the historical Jesus and the spiritual Jesus, all kinds of argument going on and debates going on. But you know one thing that resurrection means to me? It's not because the tomb is empty. It is not because the cross is empty. Resurrection is because you and I are here today. He emptied the tomb, emptied the cross to fill up a church, both Gentiles and Jews alike. That's what resurrection is. I'm not getting ahead of myself, but I just wanted to throw that out there because I know a lot of digging that is still going on today to dispute the fact that he rose. A lot of digging that scientists are researching, doing all the kinds of chemistry in the lab to dispute the fact that is this really the bones of Christ or is this really the cross or whatever it is. And I said, why would they want to spend that time doing that when I know I'm a testimonial, you are a testimonial to the fact that he chose to empty the cross, empty the tomb, in order to fill up a body, a church, to birth a church where you and I belong to today. Amen? But that's not where I'm going to today. I just wanted to throw that out there. It didn't come easy when we remember the resurrection story. Resurrection did not just come easy. It wasn't delivered to us today on the platter of gold. Never. Never. Right in front of me here, I know most of us are wearing some precious jewels. You have a diamond ring or with about 16 carats or some carats on it or something or, or gold jewelry or some necklace or some wristwatch or something. All right? You have it on today. But if I would tell you that something that you wear precious today came from the very, for example, came from the very, very typical interior valleys of Ivory Coast, Cote d'Ivoire in Africa, that it came as a dirt. A dirt is what you're wearing today, but you wouldn't know the process that that dirt came clean before you put it on as a precious jewelry that somebody could admire. But if I would tell you that this is what the dirt you're putting on, I guess that would bring a bigger picture of, oh my God, is it for real? You feel lighted a little bit and say, oh my God, so I got to turn this thing so precious. I got to turn this thing as something so unique to me. That's what happens. Today, this morning, I've, I saw a resurrection story in my family because I felt I want to get you guys here before 7 o'clock. <laughs> you know? Because I saw something. I'm coming to that in a few minutes. I saw something about that. He had to go through a lot of beating, wake up, get this, get the shirt on, put the shoes on, do this and that. I had to stop them from, from sleeping late last night, inconvenience them a little bit, because I wanted to get the process of getting here onto this service early. Now that for me is resurrection there. Because I believe that 
if they knew that I had to deal with them with the pains and the waking up and the yelling and the shouting, and now we are here. <laughs> that is resurrection right there. Just like the gold, just like the gold carrot, just like the diamond, that diamond we wear. Just like this church was not the same edifice we found today. If pastor were to tell you back then what this building looked like before we all came to see this here, you wouldn't believe this is what it was a few years ago. But it went through a lot of chopping and painting and destruction and building and erection and all those things. And all those processes do not come easy. And that's the whole point I'm trying to bring out to us, that this resurrection we celebrate today did not come easy for our Lord. It wasn't delivered to us in the platter of gold. But then we need to appreciate those processes as well. As they came, what were the things they went through? That's what Hebrews says. And that's where my topic comes from today. Consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Another commentary says, draw the comparison and think. Draw the comparison and think, why do we need to consider Jesus? Just like we looked at the diamond, we looked at the jewels, we looked at my family issue. Why do we need to consider that process that led up to the resurrection that did not come to us in the plan of God? He says, consider Jesus who met with contradictions in his life. He met with oppositions in his life. He met with all kinds of enmity. He met enemies in the way. He was abused. He was cursed. He was spat on. He was given names that you want to give to any man. Consider Jesus. That scripture in Hebrews 12 didn't say to consider those oppositions. He didn't say to consider the oppositions we, we faced today like he did. He didn't say to consider the contradictions. He says consider Jesus. The focal point should be on Jesus who went through the oppositions and the contradictions in his life, the enmity. He took a hit, a bunch of them in order to get this resurrection package delivered to us today. Just like the diamond will take a hit all throughout the process of preparation. It goes through the process of planning. Diamonds go through the process of cleaving it. It goes through the process of cleaning it, chopping it, sawing it, brooding it, and even polishing to the final inspection before we get the diamond we have today. He went through the same kind of similar process to get to us, where, to get to where we are today. Amen. Bible says, he could put up with anything. He could put up with anything that he went through in the way. The cross, he put up with the shame. He put up with whatever was in his way. Because he knew there was a joy that was set before him. Consider him. Who, for the joy that was set before him. Imagine. For the joy that was set before me this morning, I considered to deny my children the time to go to bed late. For the joy that was set before me this morning, I considered that I have to wake them up even much, much earlier than usual, early this morning, 4 o'clock. Thank you for being here today. That is the joy of resurrection. Amen. For the joy that was set before him, he went through those litany, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, message translation, the litany of agony and pain and shame to bring us the package of resurrection that are sitting here before us today. In fact, look at what the scripture says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30. I read that. 1 Corinthians 1 30. It says, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. In 2 Corinthians 5 21, I add that to that. 
the scripture has this to say about the righteousness that will be made in this body of Christ. It says in verse 21, For he had made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Anyone righteous today in God? Aren't we righteous people today? I can begin to count how many people are righteous today. There are people sitting right in front of me and those who were not able to make it in today. Righteous body of Christ. Now, if you count how many people are in Rema church and add to what the righteous people are sitting here, you can see how this is kind of snowballing. Snowballing into a righteous church. That was what he had in view when he went through the things he went through. He wasn't counting anything to hinder him to get there. When he got those slaps, when he got those insults, when he goes, met those enemies on the way, he was considering the joy that was set before him. The oppositions could not hold him down because there was a joy that was set before him to birth a righteous brothers and sisters, the righteous church, where we can become his righteousness. That was the goal. That was the ultimate purpose. So it's not even the empty cross that makes much meaning to me. It's not even the, the empty, uh, empty, empty tomb that makes much sense to me. It is the fact that he went through every single step of the pains and agony in order to birth a righteous church, to beg you and I to bring up that resurrected church today. Amen. Amen. And that's what it is. So he put up with all. Jesus put up with everything that happened in Nazareth where he was born. His hometown where he was raised and born. He put up with their insult. He couldn't do much miracles there. He put up with the insult because the Bible says that even in Luke chapter 4, that he was rejected in his hometown. He was rejected in his home synagogue. He wouldn't even be allowed to go into the synagogue to minister. In the book of uh, John chapter 7 verse 5, he was insulted. And, uh, and accused by his own household. The Bible says his brothers and sisters did not believe in him. They told him to just go and put himself out there so people can see what miracles he does. He, nobody thinks he's a figurehead, does miracles in secret. So he should be out there to do miracles so people can see him. In his own tribe, the Jews, John chapter 7 verse 2, the Jews rejected him. He came unto his own. His own received him not. Amen. His own disciples in John chapter 8. After he told them, I'm the bread of life. Any man who eats of me, eats life. Now that doctrine was too hard for them to, to swallow. It was a hard pill for them to take him. And so the disciples would just, some of them decided to leave, to move on with their life. John 6, 66. Many refused to follow him. John 1.10, the world that he created, the Bible says even in Isaiah 53.3, that he was despised and rejected by men. It says he came unto his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, he gave them power to become his own children. The world that he created himself rejected him. He went through all of those rejections. He went through all those oppositions in life. His father, in Psalm 22 verse 1 to 2, My father, my father, my God, my God, why hast thou? forsaken me. Father could not turn his eye on his son. At that split moment he wouldn't see his son in that bleeding, in that dejected, in that wounded, in that state of mind or situation. His father rejected his son. So he went through all of that. I'm just kind of playing back a little bit on this so we might see. Even the apostles recorded their own situations in life. 
Paul talked about his own perplexity, how he was dis- beaten, he was uh, despised. They went through all kinds of shame just for the sake of Jesus. Joseph and his brothers in the Old Testament had the same situation. Now, for the sake of the joy that was set before them, the Bible says they endured. They endured the, they endured the sufferings and the shame. Jesus, the ultimate leader, enjoyed all kinds of criticisms against him, all kinds of insults against him, all kinds of abuse against him. I know quite as much as you know too here that especially in the body of Christ, we see a lot of criticisms. Enough to make you feel if God has really called you into ministry. Jesus had the same situation. Especially with the leadership. One of the occupational hazards of being a leader is receiving criticism. Sometimes the criticisms are not constructive enough to even make sense. They just want to throw, the, throw that, those jabs out right there on leadership. Especially leadership that seems to have a vision. Leadership that seems to have a direction are always objects and open doors for attacks. And then there's a quote by Chuck Sindor. When he quoted, I wrote this somewhere, by Theodore Roosevelt. Theodore Roosevelt says something one day. says, it is not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbled or where the doer of these could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena. The credit belongs to the man who faces or is mad with dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who, is, who errs and comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. The credit comes to the one who does actually try to do the deed and who knows the great enthusiasm, the great devotion, and spends himself in a worthy cause. The credit comes to him who, at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. Far better is it to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure, than to rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy nor suffer much because they live in a gray twilight that knows neither victory nor defeat. That was from Roosevelt. So we come to a situation where we have painted a picture of what true resurrection is. That our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, will go through critics. He will go through folks that call him that he was a demon. People that said he ate with sinners, accused him of eating with sinners. People that accused him of equating himself with his Father, that he is equal with God. Jews, of course. And we now see that that was something he didn't count as anything as compared to what was ahead of him. He felt that in order to be able to give bribes to the church, he has to endure them all. The message that comes to us today on this resurrection service, what is it that will want you to take your eyes off of the joy that is set before you. Now, there must be a joy that is set before you in order to really, really long for it and to hold that preciously in the first place. We know today the joy that I will read a few scriptures just to be able to have you test yourself, myself, test myself on what is the joy that is before us in those scriptures. 
then are we going to allow, remember I said to consider Jesus means to kind of draw the comparison and thing. You're looking at Jesus, you're looking at the opposition. You're looking at Jesus, you're looking at your boss in the office. When you find yourself about to look confront, are you considering Jesus? Now, to consider Jesus or to draw the comparison and think will mean to look at the joy that is set before you. Are you going to let it just go because there is a joy that is set before you? Somebody's criticizing you so bad. And you have a choice. You draw a comparison. You consider Jesus. But then there's a joy that is set before me. I will let that criticism just slide by. Some illnesses. It could be just immaterial stuff. It doesn't have to be a human being confronting you. It could be diseases. Trying to ebb you away slowly. could be cancer, whatever it is. But we don't promote those things in the body of Christ. But we remember the Bible tells us Isaiah 53. For by his stripes we have been healed. Look at what that scripture says. Now that I mentioned that, let me just read that because it, it makes a point there on what I wanted to bring with the joy that is set before us. Isaiah 53, verse 3 uh, to 5. <clears throat> Isaiah 53, verse 3 to 5. Look at what it says. He despised and re- he is dis- <clears throat> excuse me. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were in our faces of him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. <clears throat> Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are here. If I will ask you from that verse of scripture, what is the joy that was set before him to go through that? So that by his stripes you and I be healed. For by his stripes, and by his stripes we are healed today. Because somebody saw the joy of the the joy that was set before him was to go through the stripes, the things that was mentioned, like the despisings, the 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 the, 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 the griefs, the stri- strikings, and all the smitings that people did on him, so as to bring our healing. Our health. Amen. That is what resurrection is. And that is what we have to remember. As I bring this to a close here. I will read a few scriptures. And then we will just kind of all think through. See what joy lies ahead of us. As Jesus also did for us. In Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10. Hebrews 2 10. I read that. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect. Through what? Through suffering. Now he had to go through those little choppings and those oppositions and suffering to bear the joy that lies before him. And the joy that laid before him was that he might bring many sons to glory. Who you are, who I am today. That was a joy that lay before him. I mean, who want to go through suffering for nothing? I mean, who want to go through all those beatings for nothing? There must be some reason, ultimate reason, that 
You remember the scripture that talks about if they had known, they wouldn't have crucified the Son of Glory. That's, that's a perfect scripture right there. Because they didn't know there was a joy that was set before them. So if you were to know the joy that was set before you in this life, would you make things different in the office? Would you make things different when you go to the store? Will you be a different person when you confront the secretary that will not even look his face and just talk his face because he doesn't just like your face? Just put the face and just say, hello, how are you? What are you here for to do? Uh, what time is your appointment? And you're like, hello, am I in the right office? And maybe you feel like, ah, is it the right time to really do something? Will you be different? If for the joy that is set before you, that chief executive that, I, I know a couple of them, with anger and fury, for whatever reason, just kind of punch their hole through the wall and just have to put their hands or wrist on bandit. And you ask them, what happened? I was upset. You upset that far? You were that hurt? I mean, you were that so, so, so furious about whatever is going on in the job that is not going right? If you were to see the joy that was set before you ahead of time, would things be different in your day-to-day work? Will I be different in my day-to-day work? Will I would just respond to everything people do to me? Would it be the best thing to do? I'm looking at the joy that's set before me. And so people just kind of wonder, it pales. I mean, what people do to me pales compared to what joy lies before me. That should be the resurrection story to us today. That's all he tried to show us today. Look, I saw something. I saw something. I saw a glorious church. I saw a church of righteous people. And that's the reason why I had to even go down to the grave to get some of them out. And then had the keys of hell and of, of life and death in my hand. So that way I can bring life in abundance to all. He saw something much more than we, the man that crucified him, could do. Because the scripture said it. If they had known that this is what he was going for. They would say, oh, no, no, no. Please, please, please. Let's not go there. No, 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 no. Mm-mm. Let's cancel it. Let's get rid of this whole idea. Forget about it. No cross. Pilate would have thought better if he had seen this. Herod would have thought better if he, they had seen this. Say, you know what? I found no fault in this man. So let's just leave it as it is. But some of that guy said, no. Maybe that would have. And I believe the Almighty God knew that they. Their eyes were blinded, of course, because there was a joy. If he didn't keep going the way he was going, we wouldn't be here today. And then the scripture had that to say in the word of God here in the book of Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. You can put it on the screen. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. Look at what the scripture says <clears throat> in Second Corinthians. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. Always carrying about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. Keep going. We're going up to 18. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then, death is walking in us, but life in you. Keep going, we have six more verses to go there. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, and we also believe, therefore we speak. And in verse 14, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus Christ will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. In 15, for all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread to the many, 
may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Verse 6, 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Amen. I remember that loose that pastor preached on, on April 6. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. In 17, for our light affliction, that's where I'm going, which is but for a moment, is working for us. Now, that is the joy that is set before us. Again, like I said, if you read this scripture, you can pick up what is the joy that is set before me here. The joy that is set before me compared, if I draw a comparison between the light affliction I'm going through and the joy that is set before me, it says, it's working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. That's the joy that is set before me. So I can't just react to everything that people do to me. Why we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. That's what Jesus saw. He didn't, that's why they couldn't see what they were doing to him. It was hidden from them. Resurrection was hidden from them. And even though the, the disciples couldn't believe that resurrection is possible, because they couldn't believe when they were told that he's alive. Even to his own disciples, they couldn't believe. But it was hidden for a purpose because he needed to fulfill the full nine-year course of what he came for to accomplish, the mission. So that the things which are seen, the things, uh, but, but are the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Amen? Amen. So if we go through anything today, what do you want to compare with the glory that is ahead of you? It will pale. Those things will pale. The oppositions will pale to nothing. The criticisms will pale to nothing. The, 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 the enmity that people want to draw against you will pale to nothing. The, 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 the accusations that people want to levy, slap you with will pale to nothing compared to the things that are yet unseen, which is the joy for the joy that was set before him. Amen? Amen. For the joy that was set before him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12, as I wrap up with the last two verses, chapters, uh, verse, uh, two scriptures here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In verse 12 we read, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of, among you that there is no resurrection for the, of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then is our preaching in vain, and your faith is also in vain. Yea! We have found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. 16. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ risen. 17. And if Christ be not risen, your faith is in vain, ye are in your sins. Then they also which have fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope, in Christ, we, have, we are of all men most miserable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and become the first fruit of them that slept. For since by man came dead, by man also came resurrection from dead. If in this life only, if in this life only, and the things that this life has, oppositions and criticisms and all those accusations and stuff, if only on those things we dwell on, we are miserable. Because then we've lost sight of the fact that there is a joy that is set before us. May these things that we go to not make us miserable for the things that are coming. Amen? Amen. May it not be so in your life, my life. Let's see resurrection as, oh my God, it's not just the empty tomb. It's not just the empty cross. It is me. It is me. Mm -hmm. He came for me. Mm -hmm. He came for me. Mm -hmm. 
He came for me. Even if I was dead when he was on the cross, he would have come right down there to just get me out as well too, like he did for those, those that he did too. But I'm alive today to demonstrate that he rose up just because of me. To fulfill the purpose of the mission. To make the mission complete. That becomes a mission accomplished. So, let those who want to continue to dig, continue to dig and find. Uh, by the time they dig, as far as they can go, they will find that the person they, they're looking for is here. It is me. It is you. So let's go forward with the power of this resurrection and proclaim and make our environment a little bit better. Make our environment a place that people will say, my God, I see something different in you because you are not responding to the circumstances that you are facing because there is a joy that is ahead of you that you are responding to. Maybe God is chopping you like he's doing to the gold and the diamond. To get to that place, that's fine. Because he did the same thing too. He went through that to get him to where he is so that you and I could be here today. Even if it means laying down our lives, it is worth it. Amen? It is worth it. Hallelujah. And that's what God is telling us this morning as we celebrate and I always remember the resurrection. Resurrection is you. It is me. If not for that, then all things would be just empty and people will come to dig and will come to find but let it be that when they find us and dig and find they will find us in the offices where we work they will find us in the stores where we go to shop they will find us in our families they will find us on the streets because we are there proclaiming that we are alive we are there proclaiming that my cancer is gone the cancer that seemed to oppose my walk with the Lord is gone my disease is gone because he paid for them all. Everything is done. It's not, I can rejoice. My bills are paid for. I can rejoice that I am alive because he made me alive. He is, I am the resurrection witness and testimony. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what resurrection is. That's what it means to me. And I believe that's what should mean to you too. You and I. You and I. You and I. Amen. Father, we thank you. We are the true witness of resurrection. May we not lose sight of this, Father. Our prayer is, O God, in, in every situation in this life, when we draw comparison and think about them, they will pale to nothing compared to the joy and the glory that is set before us. First Peter says, No suffering of this present time is worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. We stand by that word. And help us not to lose sight of it. Let it be in us. Let it order our steps. Because the steps of the righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And so, Father, we thank you that we can just rejoice today. That if they will find anything about this resurrection, if they will find anything about the empty tomb, if they will find anything about the empty cross, for those who want to still dispute it, we are the testimony. And help us to declare that as we step out today. Ah, glory to God. As we step out today, Father God, let us declare it. Let us make it known that I am the witness 
I'm a witness. I am the testimony that Jesus Christ rose again. Thank you today. And we give you glory. In Jesus' name.